What is up, internets? And welcome to another Devil's Advocate for Self-Defense. Hi, everyone. Welcome. I know that these episodes have been few and far between. If you haven't been paying attention, I'm doing a whole new thing. We're building a brand new company and little stuff like this, which is fun for you, becomes something that gets kind of pushed to the side. We only have three more of these episodes left. And by that, I don't mean they're planned. I just mean I'm only going to do three more. So we are looking at doing 50 episodes of the Devil's Advocate for Self-Defense podcast. And then in April, we are going to be rolling out a new podcast format, which will kind of look like all three podcasts. There'll be some fun stuff. There'll be some debate. There'll be some uh, serious stuff. And we'll kind of make it like a variety hour. That seems to be what people are enjoying. So this week we have on the show a good friend of mine. I'm really happy she decided to come on the show, uh, Lynn Harrelswick. Yes. Yes. Lynn Harrelswick of Ren Counter Krav Maga is on the show today. Lynn came at me with a really cool topic. Um, I actually feel stupid. I didn't think of it myself. So I'm really excited to do this one because I think it's very relevant for people who run martial arts gyms, et cetera. It's going to really help you decide kind of on structure. So this might be your first time listening to the show. Maybe you have no idea who I am and you're a huge fan of Lynn's work. I need to give you a couple of the rules on how this show works. Number one, we have to start as friends and leave as friends. When I say debate, a lot of people hear argument. They hear unfriend, block, remove from social media. That's not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to have an open discussion about key thought, key ideas in the self-defense and martial arts world. So we are each going to take one side. Lynn is going to take a side. I'm going to take a side. We are not, and I repeat, not debating our actual feelings on the topic. We're only debating our side. Now, if you want to hear our actual thoughts on the topic, you need to jump over to Patreon at the $5 level and join us there to hear final thoughts, which is us decide or discussing what we learned from the debate what we, uh, what we would, wish we would have said, places where we we're on the ropes and all the kind of fun stuff that happens. The second rule is there's 15 logic fallacies that are provided ahead of time. I did not provide them to Lynn. They are provided ahead of time. Um, and we, we make an agreement not to fall into any of these logic fallacies. The 15 fallacies that were chosen, if you don't know what they are, jump onto episode one, you can hear what they are. They were chosen to continue the conversation. While there's a million more logic fallacies out there, we chose these 15 specifically because it keeps the debate moving forward. So for example, circular logic is not allowed in the debate. Circular logic being making a point and then all of your points just keep circling back to that same point. If myself or my guest Lynn gets caught in a fallacy and they are called out on it by the other person, they need to, number one, if they can't, debate their way out of why it's not a fallacy. They need to take a deep breath. <sighs> Apologize. I'm sorry I used a circular logic fallacy. Then they need to be quiet and let the other person talk. So there's a penalty to using fallacies in which you lose the momentum of your side of the debates. Um, again, if you want to check all these out, feel free to go to the first episode to listen to every single one of the fallacies we decided to use in this. The format of the show is very simple. Lynn will get the first four minutes of the debate, of the 20-minute free debate, to set up the debate in the best manner for her. So she gets to define terms and get everything figured out. And then we were going to go back and forth. So 
Before we get into it, Lynn, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Lynn Hardalsvik. Uh, I'm a Norwegian living in Edinburgh in Scotland. I run a Krav Maga and self-defense school here. Um, I occasionally train with the National Guard back in Norway, and I'm a hand-to-hand combat instructor and use of force instructor, as well as my uh, side hustle, you could say. (laughs) That's awesome. All right, Lynn, so the topic we've chosen today, and make sure I get this right because definition of the topic becomes very important in the debate, as you've heard, is should all levels of students exist in one class? Yeah, that's that's correct. correct. Okay. What side of the debate are you taking? Uh, I'm arguing that they should all train in the same class. Awesome. And so by the rules of devil's advocate, I'm taking the opposite side. So for the purpose of this debate, I am going to argue that all levels of whatever martial arts system you're teaching should not be in the same room. That makes sense? Yeah. Awesome. We're going to put 20 minutes on the clock. Lynn, you have up to four minutes to set up the debate and we will go from there. Are you ready? Yes. All right, Uh, and go. Just uh, before we start, a couple of points is in an all levels class, you'd assume that uh, you would be switching partners at regular intervals. Okay. So you're not always training with the same partner throughout the class, um, unlike now in COVID times. Right. Okay, so my argument is that all levels should train together in the same class and that by doing this, uh, people will get better learning outcomes, learn faster, and also get more relevant learning for self-defense that's meant to work in real life. You also uh, cultivate um, a community that you want in a better way, and you're able to build stronger people over time, which uh, to me is important goals for self-defense. I'm dividing my uh, argument on uh, five goals or uh, that people usually uh, want to achieve when they come to a self-defense class uh, and also what we want to do as instructors in providing the class. And that's uh, uh, learning self-defense skills. That's quite an important thing. Uh, Fitness, confidence, community, and doing something that is fun or engaging. I'm not going to talk a lot about fitness because I don't think it's that relevant for this argument, but it's part of the five things. So for self-defense um, learning, gaining skills, I think it's better. I'll start with a point uh, of view of the beginner. As a beginner, training with someone who's a more experienced practitioner, you um, get to copy someone who has better skills than you. So especially for the visual learners, monkey see, monkey do, you can copy someone who Uh, is uh, more experienced and learn in that way. You're also training with someone who's uh, a better attacker or feeder or uke, whatever word you use for that. And um, we generally see that the better the attacker, the better the defense and the better the defenses, the faster the defenses improve for the person who's solving the problems. Um, You can also expect a more advanced student to be able to adjust their level of resistance to be appropriate to the person they're training with, which helps people um, advance faster. From the other point of view, from the more advanced student, at this stage, we would expect people to not be observing and copying quite so much, but rather aiming for thinking about the why they're doing things and getting a deeper understanding of what they're learning. 
And uh, I would argue that they get that more training with someone who's less experienced where they might be watching what's working, what's not working, why is it not working, and uh, might be answering questions briefly uh, from time to time. Uh, from the confidence point of view, as a beginner, I think you build confidence in um, your skill. Training with someone who offers a, an appropriate level of resistance, you get to build your skills gradually rather than being overwhelmed, which is more likely when beginners train together and you're more likely to have injuries when two beginners are training together, just simply because it takes time to develop the kind of understanding and control of what you're doing. So from the confidence point of view, the beginner will build confidence by training at an appropriate level of resistance. For the more advanced student, I would say they build confidence by being the person who knows more. Just being in that position um, changes how we see ourselves, how other people see us, and that also changes our sense of agency, I believe, which is quite important for self-defense skills. Cool. Um, so you are done on time for your four minutes. So I'm just going to, and you can bring these other points up. It's not a big deal. So we're just going to, I'm kind of interrupt you. So uh, the predication of my debate on this is going to be number one, martial arts is the only skill form that we allow all levels to be in the same room. You would never see a kid learning math in a physics class. That would just never happen. So this is kind of an outlier in the education of martial arts where almost every other field, including a lot of sports, other than when the people are very young, do everybody at the same level go in the same area? And I believe the reason why is kind of the crux of my debate is if you put everybody in the same room, only the beginners get the attention they need and the advanced people are often ignored. So really quickly, just because you get the rest of your points on learning skill, I think, yeah, sure. The the beginner does get to learn skill quicker, but the advanced person's skills are becoming stagnant because when the questions are happening, it's going to be the new person. Also, because they're building that sense of agency, they kind of stop allowing their needs to be addressed to make sure the new people get the learning they need because they remember what it was like when they were new. We used to run classes with everybody in the same room, and that was the consistent complaint from the advanced students was we never get to the stuff that we're here to learn. So. While I do believe there's a good benefit to the beginners, it, it definitely makes your talent pool more shallow because the people that are trying to get higher levels of skills never get to get to that level because the person in the room is always, and you have to, to keep your business going, is always going to be catering to the beginners. So I mentioned it with confidence a little bit, as you talked about, I think that their confidence might grow, but it grows in a false sense when they're only working with people below their skill level. They get an inflated sense of confidence in their ability because it's constantly working against somebody that doesn't know how to resist properly. Now, I understand that you're switching partners in this, and that was part of the debate, but I still think a dedicated advanced class will help those people exceptionally more than even rotating partners in a regular class. Lynn. Okay. Those are all very good points. And I um, agree with a lot of that. Um, I would say that it's um, more demanding for the instructor to teach a good class where um, the advanced students also get the attention that they need and get their needs addressed. Because like you're saying, the 
number one problem and the complaint that we get as well is that the beginners get their needs addressed but not more advanced students. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think that's something that has to be that way. I think it's just more uh, demanding for the instructor. So uh, one way of solving that is you can teach by subjects. So you don't have to, everyone doesn't have to practice the same thing. So if you're practicing dealing with, let's say, knife attacks, straight like knife stabs, sure. you can do that from different directions. You can make the situation more complex. You can introduce more variables. You can have the advanced students paying attention to other things in the room, change their goals, change their mindset. You can um, make sure they work on a lot of things that uh, advance their skills at the same time as the beginners aren't overwhelmed because you're teaching something that's way above their level. So while that is a challenge, I don't think it's something that is has to be that way. So it doesn't have to be, but it very often is. Uh, I think also on that point, um, that's a problem for the beginners too, because then the beginners are always paying attention to the material they're going to learn eventually and not focusing on the material they're learning now. So if you have like, if you're like, okay, so you're a beginner, you're learning this, and this advanced person gets to all this cool stuff, the beginner's going to try the cool stuff. So they're not going to stay on your specific plan because they're literally seeing like, oh, I want to do that. They're going to like, you know, when you're not looking, they're going to try it and they're going to get outside of the working parameters because they obviously don't know the skeleton of your programming and how those people got there. They're just going to assume they can pull it off. So I think it's distracting. I think the beginners aren't going to be paying attention to their beginner stuff because they're going to be looking at what the advanced people are doing. That's absolutely um, a good point. Um, I think you need to follow things quite closely as the instructor to uh, be kind of policing the what's happening and also cultivating a, a mindset um, and setting some uh, ground rules where like you can absolutely work on this advanced cool stuff once you showed me that you've nailed this uh, basic foundation. So in that way, you can turn that into a motivation for getting really good at the foundation so that you can then advance to do the more advanced stuff, especially if you don't have kind of belts or levels as a, a gatekeeping mechanism, but rather just if you have this skill, you can do the next level of cool stuff. Makes sense. I think with that, then we're putting you're putting a lot of you're putting a lot of weight on the instructor's shoulders here. So they need to be an advanced instructor. They need to know a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, but I think one of the biggest stressors that people have is multitasking. And I don't care how good of an instructor you are, it's always more stressful to try and run three or four separate classes at once than is a run one class, no matter how good you are, I think, in my, in my opinion, always in my opinion. In my opinion, I think it's, it's very hard to do that. So no level of the student is gonna get the full capability of that instructor because they have their foot and their hand and their finger in other pies at all points in time. So it's really hard for that the instructor to have a dedicated, they're not getting the best version of them because this person needs to be medium in all areas as opposed to really good on one subject. Hmm. Yeah, that is, um, that's definitely um, a challenge to be um, that you face with this uh, kind of teaching. And um, it's one of those where the more resources you have, the better you can address this within an all levels class. So if you're an instructor on your own, it does require quite a lot, both in terms of multitasking and in your expertise and focus. If you have 
even just uh, an assistant, someone who's uh, maybe an experienced student uh, who's uh, been giving a bit of uh, follow-up and development, then you can cater to, um, you can solve that multitasking problem or at least um, address that quite uh, a lot. So that I'm aware that that does depend on what resources you have and not everyone has the, the benefit of uh, assistant instructors. I think also, oh, sorry, I keep taking over, but I, I'll let you get to your next point. But I think also uh, you get a little bit of the dentist problem, right? Which is if they signed up to train with you and then they always get the assistant instructor, they're not going to be excited. And they're not going to be as engaged with it, right? So this is, this is the biggest problem about building a martial arts group is you can have a flag or a banner or a system, but people come for the system. They don't stay for the system. They stay for the instructor. So if they're there to learn from that person, they're always getting shoved off to the assistant instructors. When they're kids, they might be excited, but as adults, and I guess it depends on what we're looking at here, uh, they're going to be like, well, you know, I paid to train with Lynn, but I'm training with XYZ. I don't know. It's not really what I wanted. Uh, or, you know, and then you just, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? She's like, okay, I'll spend more time with the beginners because they're upset. And then the advanced people are like, well, we need you. We're advanced. And then you're like, okay, so I'll spend time with the advanced people. And then the beginners are like, but we're here to train with. So it just becomes an, I think it becomes a distractionary issue. It's very hard to stay on track when there's so many different thought processes going, even with assistant instructors. Sorry, let me just go back uh, to figure out what, uh, what I, uh, you had a point there that I wanted to uh, build on. Um, nope, it's gone. Point was that probably the dentist problem where they're coming to train with you, not necessarily yeah. train with your yeah. instructors. Yeah, uh, I think that's a problem that you have anyway. And depending on how your school is built up, there will be different uh, instructors in that school. Uh, and then there's also the the difference between what people want and what people need. In general, I think learning from different instructors is better than learning just from one instructor because people will have different strengths and people have different ways of explaining things. Uh, and sometimes I've tried to explain something to a student, I go away for five minutes and then the experienced student, not even an assistant who's been training with them has then somehow magically transferred the knowledge to them that I wasn't able to just because they had a different point of view. And I think that's part of the strength uh, as well in terms of uh, mixing training with uh, advanced and beginners is that you get to train with people who have maybe found different ways of understanding techniques that works for them. So you get to train with a lot of different people with different points of view. Mm -hmm. There's another topic coming up about, uh, so community and fun. You had, cause I kind of, you had, you ran out of time on the beginning. Was there anything you want to talk about in those two areas? Yeah, I was going to say on the community point, um, especially when you're starting out, if you have a bunch of beginners starting in the same class, they're only beginners, whenever you're new somewhere, you tend not to feel, most people don't feel very relaxed or very at ease. And that tends to come across a bit in the atmosphere. While people who've been training for longer feel at home, they feel relaxed, have more of, a, they're more able to be welcoming, to be, to show their personality, show some character. And if you want to build, uh, to cultivate a specific culture in your school, you cultivate a culture that builds, helps build stronger people in whatever way you think um, you can do that best. To do that, you'd need the people who've been training for longer to spread that culture uh, to the new people. 
it comes from the instructor, but then it also comes from all the people in the club. And I think you do that with um, by mixing the people. And also just for the new beginners feeling uh, at ease and welcome and feeling like the classes have a relaxed and fun atmosphere. Uh, I disagree for the debate. Uh, on the point of uh, we've done very well with the you are oh, beginners start and end at the same time. And I think walking into a classroom and watching an advanced person do a, whatever advanced move they do is going to scare off a lot of people. Like I'll never be able to do that. But if everybody's starting at the same starting line outside of like, you know, physicality, natural talent, size strength, but if everybody's kind of like learning the same material at the same time, I think that builds a better level of confidence because the touch points they have to their uh, progress is a realistic touch point as opposed to like, okay, so you're going to work with advanced student. This is the basic drill. Advanced guy gets it right away. Basic person's like, uh, and then they decide not to come back. Right. So I, I think you build a better community starting everybody at the same time, giving them a X amount of time. And then after they filter into the higher levels, because now they know what they're capable of. They have a culture that they've all gone through a crucible together, which naturally bonds people to why boot camp works the way boot camp does. So I think I don't, I don't agree that it's better for community. I think it's actually worse for long lasting. Like, yeah, some people will stay, but those people already have confidence. And if we're trying to get the clients that need self-defense, which are the ones that are unconfident, I think seeing advanced people might scare them off. That's, um, that's a good point. Um, it can be quite intimidating, definitely watching the more advanced people. So um, I think it's uh, important to address that. Like we've got these uh, really intimidating advanced people doing uh, scary stuff, but just know and remember that they started out the same way as you. They were also complete beginners. And the only difference is that they've been training. They didn't come uh, like this from the martial arts uh, practitioner factory. They've gone through the classes and they've built up this skill and confidence and so can you. So I think it's all in how you address that problem. I always believe actions are bigger than words. So me, me telling somebody, okay, that's Michael Jordan. Don't worry about it. You'll be him if you just practice. They might be like, no, right? So I, the words are important, but the actions are way more important. I think that's where the benefit of single streaming it is hmm. they get to see like, oh, I got this. And I got it maybe before this person. And oh, or, you know, but it's the leaps and bounds and skill are lesser. And they don't have this like ridiculousness. I've seen people come, and this is a personal anecdote. I've seen people come into a class, see the class, be like, I could never do that and leave. And you're like, you could tell them all day. Yes, you can. But if they already like breathe into a bag to work up the energy to come talk to you, and then they see like advanced stuff, it might freak them out. Yeah, I, I agree on the um, uh, actions are stronger than words part. And for the for the debate, I disagree on um, that that's better to do in a um, like same level class because by uh, switching level, by switching partners, you get to both train with um, train with another beginner and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Me neither. Awesome. Uh, so you get that sense of comparing yourself to someone who's at the, the same starting point, but you also get a sense of where you can get to. So I think you get you get the best of both worlds because you both get the benefits of training with more uh, experienced practitioners, but you also get that touch point of other beginners also don't have a clue what they're doing because that's what it means to be a beginner. Sure. I'm going to disagree on that. And I think 
this it's not you personally but in general this allows the instructor to be lazy because they think the advanced student's going to show them it's like it's like teaching somebody how to dance by giving them a good dance partner knows how to lead and then being like hey this person's gone now dance with this new person you're mm -hmm. like uh and the instructor isn't going to spend the time they need to work them through it because again they're working with the other levels so they don't quite have the time to focus dedicatedly on this person's ability I often compare martial arts to dance. If you have a good leader and they know the drill, you can look like a rock star. But if you mm. both suck, you're not good at it, then it's going to be very frustrating. So they're going to see how good it should be. And then they're going to see by themselves. I don't know if that's going to increase or decrease confidence. Yeah, again, I, I think that is addressed in switching partners. The moment people are training with another beginner, you get to um, address those problems. And while I always said you... Uh, advanced students would give some level of maybe correction or feedback yeah. definitely don't want advanced students to be taking over the role of the instructor because that's not really their job and not fair for either yeah. of the people involved uh, i that is an excellent point. we have 15 seconds left so i'm going to make this let you do a closing statement and we're done uh that's a that's a good point but guess what always happens the advanced students do become the instructors and it's a huge problem and like you said it's giving them you're effectively deputizing them. Like you're saying like, all right, like you're in charge of this student while I work with everybody. And at seminars, the worst part of me teaching seminars is other people teaching their stuff while you're trying to teach yours, right? So yeah. I think there's a benefit and a negative. Lynn, is there anything else you'd like to say on this? It's amazing how quick 20 minutes goes. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I've, uh, I've uh, made uh, my uh, points. <laughs> awesome. All right, everybody. So that's the end of the debate. Lady did a fantastic job. Thank you for coming on the show. This was a good one. Um, I know I always say this because obviously there's a monetary value, but this is a problem that all instructors face is do I put them in one room because it's more cost effective for the space that I'm renting or do I do single streams? Now, I'm not going to tell you where I land on this. We're going to go to final thoughts that's behind the paywall. But if you own a gym, this is something you should listen to. The next conversation is going to be way more important than this one because a lot of stuff came out here and we're going to kind of walk that out. Before we go there, Lynn, do you want to tell the people where they get a hold of you? Yes, you can uh, find us online on rencounter.co.uk or on Facebook and uh, Instagram, rencounterkm. This is us. This is the logo. Come look us up. Awesome. And that's Ren, R-E-N, Ren counter, not re-encounter, Ren counter. Lynn had to educate me on that word. It's the perfect word, but it's not used very often, I think. No, following the the, the guidelines to have a, a brand name that's easy to pronounce. I, I didn't follow that memo. Well, when, when your last name is Haraldwick, it's hard to, uh, it's like everything's <laughs> easy to pronounce, mother. It's easy, you got this. I, I even, I've even dropped my other two names. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've made things easier for you. I think you probably have. And I'm definitely entitled and don't feel there's give you the respect I need or you should get from this. All right, everyone. Thank you as always for listening to the show. If the free show is all you wanted. Awesome. This is, we're coming close to the end of devil's advocate, not because I'm stopping podcasting, but because I kind of went too highbrow on this format and it didn't really go to the masses as well as I thought it would. I thought it'd be cool to like change the landscape and the public said, we like the landscape. We don't really need it that way. So uh, expect to hear some more divisive topics. I think it's really important to have these discussions and also to show that 
we can talk on the internet and not hate each other after. That's super important. So don't forget to follow Lynn. Go check out her stuff. Her school is great. The people are always super friendly. I've taught both in person and virtually with Lynn's people, and it's been a wicked experience. I love it so much. Check her out. Like, share, subscribe on this. We are doing the brand change April 2nd. That might sound like a different date to you. It's because it is. We uh, had to push back because the 12 hours of filming we did, uh, none of it's usable. So we had to <laughs> we have to reschedule all of the classes. So we're pushing back the soft open to April 2nd. Why not April 1st? Well, it's April Fool's Day and I don't want you to think we're tricking you. So April 2nd will be the soft open for the new business. You've seen my little wolf guy. He's changed a little bit. We're going to be doing a naming contest for the wolf guy. So uh, we, need a, we need a mascot name for him. He's a little wolf pup. He has uh, glasses and like he's getting educated. We're teaching him how to be. Um, if you have an idea for the wolf pup name, look on the Randy King Live community, jump on there. We're into a poll. The person that wins will get one free course of their choice and a t-shirt from the new company. So feel free to jump on there, suggest names. We'll do votes and we can get a little name for the wolf guy. That's it. I'm done. We're going to Patreon. Hope to see you there. If not, we'll talk to you when the next episode comes out because I don't know when that is.